اعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله رب العالمین وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرین Verse number 54 of Surah Al-A'raf, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, Inna Rabbakumullahu Alladhi Khalaqa As-Samawati Wal-Arda Fi Sittati Ayyamin, Thumma Stawa Ala Al-Arsh, Yughshi Al-Layla Al-Nahara Yatlubuhu Khathitha, Wal-Shamsa Wal-Qamara Wal-Nujuma Musakharatin Bi-Amrih, Ala Lahul Khalqu Wal-Amr, Tabarakallahu Rabbul Alameen. Indeed, your Lord is Allah who created the heavens and the earth in six days and then settled on the throne. He throws the night's cover over the day, which pursues it swiftly. And he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, all of them disposed by his command. Look, Allah, look. All creation and command belongs to him. Blessed is Allah, the Lord of the worlds. As uh, I mentioned last week, this ayah is called Ayatul Sukhra because of the word Washam, because of the word Musakharat in Washamsa wal Qamara wal Nujuma Musakharatin Ba'amra. And this ayah, uh, with the two following ayats, form one set of ayat which is a conclusion of whatever has been said in this in this surah whatever discussion we had about the, the way allah has destined the world to to move the creation of adam salam and then what happens in the hereafter these three verses is regarded to be a conclusion for uh, what was said before your Lord is Allah. Well, of course, Rabb is someone who sustains, someone who looks after, who uh, uh, tends, attends to, to different affairs of a person. This is called Rabb. So, means that you have no Rabb but Allah who was mentioned, of course, in the previous verses. And if this is the case, then you have to turn to him, which is, of course, mentioned in the following verses. You have to turn to Allah, turn to Allah for anything you want, rather than turning to others. Now, Allah is described here as the one who created everything, in whose hand is everything, and therefore, as a natural conclusion, a logical conclusion, there is nothing beside him that could do any good to you, that could benefit you. Who's this Allah? Allahi khalaqa samawati wal arda fi sattati ayyam, the one who created heavens and the earth in six days. Samawat is used in the Quran in different meaning. Both sama and samawat are used in different meaning. Sama is something which is above. So even the ceiling can be sama. And uh, the clouds can be sama because it's above. Uh, but mainly it is used in two different meanings. One is different layers of creation. 
where the human beings and the angels are uh, are living one sama is uh, the the sama dunya and then there are other samawat other heavens in which different categories of angels live the other meaning of sama or samawat are the layers of the atmosphere and sama is used as atmosphere uh, in in different verses for example waj'alna samaa saqfan mahfuza we have made the sama or the sky a very protected uh, ceiling over you. Something which protects you from whatever comes from the, uh, the celestial objects. So this, in this verse, sama is used in uh, the meaning of atmosphere. Now... Here, it may mean the earth and the atmosphere being created in six days. And it may mean, no, the earth which is situated in, uh, in the universe and then the heavens which are beyond it, beyond the universe. Beyond in the sense that not in physical sense, beyond in a... Uh, uh, supernatural sense. About the Settata Ayyam, some of the exegetes have mentioned a very, uh, how can I call it, a very untenable uh, view, which uh, is uh, derived from the Bible. And this is uh, strangely uh, mentioned uh, uh, by Mujahid as well, which is very strange from him. Uh, The view says that these six days are Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Jumu'ah. So it's Ahad and Ithnayn, Thulatha, Arba, and then Jumu'ah because all the creation has come together from Jama, com- combined together all the creation. That's why it's called Jumma. Uh, as I said, this view is, is driven from the Bible. However, uh, the problem is that before creation, did we have days in this sense? Because day is created, is produced by the rotation of the earth around the sun. If we didn't have the earth and the sun... So when Allah says he created the heavens and the earth in six days, we have to search, we have to look for another meaning for day. Not the day that we understand, which is 24 hours produced by rotation of the earth around the sun. So, of course, day means a period of time. Allah uses this in the Quran in, in, in various places, especially with regards to Yawmul Qiyamah, the day of resurrection. We know day of resurrection is... Uh, is a long period. And Allah himself says that we have days which last for 1,000 years, we have days which last for 50,000 years. فَكَيْفَ تَتَّقُونَ إِنْ كَفَرْتُمْ يَوْمًا يَجْعَلُ الْوَلْدَانَ شِبَا A day which is so long that uh, young uh, persons would become old. Or, يَوْمًا كَانَ مِقْدَارُهُ خَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةً A day which... 
uh, amounts to 50,000 years, the, 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 the duration of that day. So day not necessarily mean Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, uh, 24 hours. Here, of course, when it's mentioned means in six periods. Now, if we take Samawat to be uh, the, the universe plus the universe plus the uh, uh, higher levels of creation where the angels live, then of course uh, that means the whole creation was made in six period. However, in Surah uh, Asafat, there is more detail, some more details, there are some more details about these periods. Fussalat, sorry, yeah, thank you so much. In Surah Fussalat. Uh, it says, قُلْ أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَكْفُرُونَ بِالَّذِي خَلَقَ الْأَرْضَ فِي يَوْمَيْنِ وَتَجْعَلُونَ لَهُ أَنْدَادًا ذَلِكَ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ Do you disbelieve in the one who created the earth in two periods. Now, what are these two periods? Of course, we don't know. It may mean one period which, according to our knowledge, to the best of our knowledge, one period when it, it, was, it was gas separating from the, uh, from the sun, and another per period when the gas formed uh, uh, liquid, it became uh, molten uh, sorts of objects, this is the two periods, and then there was the period of cooling down later on. So it says, قُلْ أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَكْفُرُونَ بِالَّذِي خَلَقَ الْأَرْضَ فِي يَوْمَيْنِ وَتَجْعَلُونَ لَهُ أَنْدَادًا And then you put others as equal to him, ذَلِكَ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ That is the Lord, that's the sustainer of the whole world. وَجَعَلَ فِيهَا رَوَاسِيَ مِنْ فَوْقِهَا then there were four other periods. So six periods are mentioned for creation of the earth. So two periods when the earth was formed. Then, Then the mountains were formed above the earth. And then it blessed it. Blessed it means blessed with life. That means water was formed. وَبَارَكَ فِيهَا وَقَدَّرَ فِيهَا أَقْوَاتَهَا فِي أَرْبَعَةَ أَيَّامٍ And then he uh, distend all the sustenance, أَقْوَاتَهَا, in four days, in four periods. وَقَدَّرَ فِيهَا أَقْوَاتَهَا فِي أَرْبَعَةَ أَيَّامٍ سَوَاءً لِلسَّائِلِينَ So this is the six periods. For the earth. ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى إِلَى السَّمَاءِ وَهِيَ دُخَانٌ فَقَالَ لَهَا وَلِلْأَرْضِ اِتْيَا طَوْءًا أَوْ كَرْهَا قَالَتَا أَتَيْنَا طَعِينَ Then he turned to the heavens, to the skies, to the sky. فَقَضَاهُنَّ سَبْعَ سَمَاوَاتٍ فِي يَوْمَيْنِ Then in two periods it was formed in seven layers or seven skies. Here... The creation of skies is mentioned after the creation of the earth. Some exegetes like uh, uh, the late uh, Ali Akbar Qurashi says that this is the best proof that here the skies are layers of atmosphere. That seven layers of atmosphere was formed after the earth 
was formed and uh, as, as a protecting shield around the earth. And the Surah, Surah Fussalat is not saying anything about creation of heavens in the sense of seven layers of, of, uh, of creation in which the angels live. However, there's a problem there, and that is, it says the, the water was formed, the, the plants, the trees, and all these were created before Sama was formed. And it's not possible before atmosphere being formed, before atmosphere was formed, it's not possible for any living being to live on the earth, apparently. Uh, therefore, what we can say is that, yes, Samawat may be used as seven layers of atmosphere, but usually the Quran uses these six periods as creation of the whole creation, including the universe and other layers of creation. And therefore, Khalaq al-Samawat wal-Arda fi ayyam refers to six periods of creation of everything. And these six periods, we don't know how many years, how many billions of years it took for these six periods for the formation of all these things that we see around us. There's one other question. In Surah Fussalat, what is mentioned is that Allah talks of eight periods rather than six. It says six periods for the earth and two for the heavens. However, these may be somehow... Uh, interfering with each other while the earth was being formed the other two days started for heavens or it may be that as we have in hadith of it refers to the four seasons that created the earth in two periods and then he made the sustenance provided the sustenance available in four seasons. Anyhow, this is uh, certainly uh, not of our concern how these periods uh, work. What is important is the graduation, the graduation of creation that Allah is uh, actually intentionally mentioning it here. That uh, uh, when we come to Allah, I'll explain why. So, he created everything in six periods. Then he settled on the throne. Settled on the throne means throne is where the, the whole affairs is managed. And therefore, he is, although he has created everything, however, he is managing them as well. He sat on the throne and is managing the whole creation. About Arsh... I think in Surah Tawbah we had a very detailed discussion uh, of what's the meaning of Arsh. However, it may be useful just to say here, Allah talks of two aspects of management, of his management. One is the Arsh and the other is Kursi, the Kursi. Kursi is something which is below the Arsh. It may mean, Kursi may mean the footstool, which is placed under the arsh. Usually, when a king wants to sit on the throne, there's a footstool under the arsh where, of course, they set the foot and sit on the, uh, on the throne and put their feet on that footstool. So the arsh is what they sit upon, and Kursi is where they put their feet. Now, this is, a, of course, uh, uh, an interesting metaphor 
with regards to the way the heavens and the earth are related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his ash. Because in, surah, in Ayatul Kursi, Allah says, وَسَعَ كُرْسِيُّهُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ His kursi uh, encompasses the whole heavens and the earth. And in traditions we have that the whole heavens and the earth, all creation inside the kursi is just like a small ring in a very vast desert. So the kursi is very vast. The creation is very small in that. And that is actually the footstool of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's sitting on the throne, the footstool under his feet, metaphorically. And the whole heavens and the earth are inside that kursi. And he is managing it, of course, very easily. There's another meaning for kursi. And that is, uh, if we compare Arsh and Kursi to managing of a, say for example, of a country or of a company or a system. Usually we have uh, the, the manager, which is sitting on the throne, so to speak, the king, in, if we compare it with the country, the king sitting on the throne, and then we have ministers. And under those ministers, we have managers, all of them having a Kursi. That's uh, a post. So, kursi here means a post, and arsh or throne means, of course, the, the control room. And Allah says that if we take this example, we can take the example of the way things are managed in this world in a very interesting way. We see the kathra in wahda. And wahda in kathra. Because when these ministers try to manage things, or those managers under them, everyone having a kursi, then of course they all get the direction and the command from the one who's sitting on the ash. It goes down. And they try to manage taking everything up to the ash. We see there is one command going into different aspects of that system or that country or company or whatever. And then it all comes back to him again. Allah, uh, as far as I understand, says that this is the way creation works with one difference. With one difference. Yes, of course, things are come from the arsh. And Allah, of course, is the Dhal Arsh. Dhal Arsh is the one who's in control. If there were other Aleha, as you say, independent, they would have tried to somehow take over Dhal Arsh. However, there is no Aleha like that. Things come down from there going to Kursi. However, Allah doesn't talk of kursis, of different posts. He says there is one kursi which actually distributes the command. And that one kursi which distributes the command is like all these kursis you see in different places in the country, going to that arsh. And the difference is everyone in creation working is actually not left to themselves as, for example, in a in human world. Allah is present there as well. He is not only sitting on the ash, he is present everywhere with every, uh, every person of authority, every creation of authority. And therefore, 
when we talk about Allah sitting on the throne, means that although he has created things, he is in control. He is in absolute control of everything. This is with relation to khalaq. Now there is another aspect of the creation that we will come to. Now, why this example is mentioned here, singled out? He draws the night to cover over the day. Or, or day covering over the night. He covers the night by day. And this is done in a, in a very interesting way, in the way that the day seeks the night swiftly, permanently, in, in, in a quick way, all the time, moment after the moment. This is, of course, quite... Uh, conforming with our knowledge of day and night, because the, the day actually is running after the night in every part of the, of the globe, and from the other side, the night is running after the day. Moment after moment, one place be- becomes dark, another place becomes light, the day and night. So, Now, why this example is singled out here? Because this is to do with seconds and minutes. And this is to do with something which happens continuously in a timely manner. And Allah wants to say that I am not absent from this. This is what I am doing. Allah is sitting on the throne. How How is he connected to his creation, which is bound by time? and which is done continuously, gradually, of course gradually in a very swift manner, it, by gradual we mean uh, framed by time. So how Allah is connected to this? Well, that is something that we have to explore. But do not think that because this is something bound by time and Allah is quite transcendent, is absent, he is the one who's doing it. He is the one who's managing it. In a country, if we take the example of a country, the king, when he issues an order, then he is not present. How it is being done, how it is being carried out, how they do it, they just bring the report to him that we did it, for example. However, with regards to Allah and his creation, this is not the case. He is present in every second and every minute and in every time and place of the creation. This is why this example is singled out. And this example is repeated in the Quran in many places. It's a very beautiful example of the presence of Allah in the most timely, in in something which happens in a time frame. How Allah is present here while he's quite transcendent, while he's sitting on the throne, Allah says there is no contradiction here between me sitting on the throne and me doing all these things. Now we know that many things are done by angels. Many things is done by nature. But Allah says, yes, of course, but the, the chain of command comes up to me and I am present at every link of this chain. 
and then washamsa wal qamara wal nujub this washamsa wal qamara wal nujub are mansub for maf'ul and therefore they go back to khalaqa khalaqa as-samawati wal ard wa khalaqa ash-shamsa wal qamara wal nujum musakharatin bi'amrih why they are under his control disposed by his command ala lahul khalqu wal amr look all creation and command belong to him well creation we know he created everything in six days six periods and amr of course is the command command meaning that he is at the end of the chain of the command he commands things if you uh, if you reproduce if children come to this world although you see that is parents who uh, are here in the in the first link of ch- chain of uh cause and effect however allah is doing it he is in command lahul khalq wal amr now khalq wal amr is a, a very deep concept mentioned in the quran especially by allama tabatabai who has made a very beautiful contribution to the uh to the idea of khalq and amr He says that khalq uh, and amr, amr means command and it means affairs as well. We say amr, umur, affairs, amr, awamr, commands. He says that we have two aspects of creation. One aspect in which there is graduation. And this is khalq. Khalq al-samawati wal-ard fi sittata ayyam, in six periods. And khalq can be attributed to God, can be attributed to other things as well. So, Isa alayhi salam, إِذْ تَخْلُقُ مِنَ الطِّينِ كَهَيْئَةِ الطَّيْرِ You created from mud something like a bird, and then you blew in it, it became a bird. One of the miracles of Isa alayhi salam. And in khalq there is measurement, measurement of time, measurement of place, measurement of size is khalq. However, everything which is created has a direct relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is beyond time, beyond space. And this is Amr. Alamul Amr, Alamul Khalq. Inna kulla shay'in, in Surah Qamar, Inna kulla shay'in khalaqnahu biqadar. Everything we have created with measurement. However, وَمَا أَمْرُنَا إِلَّا وَاحِدَةٌ كَلَمْحٍ بِالْبَسَرِ But when it comes to alamu al-amr, it is all just one blink of an eye. Do not confuse the fact that Allah has created things in six periods. This is when it comes to alamu al-khalq, when angels come in, when chain of, command, chain of causes and effects come in, then there is graduation. But there's another aspect, which is the aspect of malakut of everything, in which Allah is directly involved, directly present, that's alamu al-am. And because Allah is directly present, there's no time there. It's just wahidatun kalamhim bil-basar. It's just like blink of an eye. إذا أراد شيئا فإنما أمره إذا أراد شيئا 
ان يقول له كن فيكون when we come to alamul amr there is no graduation it's just allah says be and it is and allah has said be to the whole world and it was in alamul amr but when it comes to development in creation then there is time there is process and all these things ala lahul khamru khalqu wal amr tabarakallah rabbul alamin blessed is allah look how blessed what he has created what you see around you is all through his khalq and amr so there is a difference between alamul khalq and alamul amr fa subhanalladhi bi yadihi malakutu the malakut of everything is in his hand and allama says that we have alamul mulk which is alamul khalq and alamul malakut which is alamul amr in alamul malakut everything is directly related to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in alamul mulk of course we see chain of cause and effects this is a very deep concept of course which needs more uh, elaboration inshallah we leave it for some other time then as a uh, conclusion or as a result of what uh, was mentioned above ud'u rabbakum tadarruan wa khuffiyatan innahu la yuhibbul mu'tadin supplicate your lord tadarruan beseechingly and secretly beseechingly tadarru is to to show tadallul humbleness this is the meaning of tadarru as sheikh tusi mentions in tabyan at tadarru at tazallul wa huwa izhar az-zull alladhi fi an-nafs because there is always humility in our nafs why because we depend on someone else we depend on someone else all the time so we are we are zalil and izza lillahi al-'izza izza is belongs to Allah and then of course if we are attributed to him then that is comes to us extends to us as well as we have in dua arafa ilahi kayfa astaiz wa fi dhillati arkastani how can i seek izza or dignity while you have placed me in the center of humility what is the center of humility you have created me i am created I am dependent on you so I am in center of humility wa kayfa la astaiz and how I do not seek dignity or I do not dignify myself wa ilayka nasabtani while you have attributed me to yourself you said you are my servant you are my creation so ud'u rabbakum tadarruan show this humility to god beware of this humbleness which is in your heart which is in your creation and bring it to your heart show that humbleness while you are calling allah by showing that humbleness we open our hearts and blessings and grace of allah would go into the heart wa khufiyatan khufiya and khifa are almost similar hiddenly all with fear fear in the sense that you are not do, do i deserve to receive something or not and khufia also when you do something hiddenly means that first of all you have some fear you do not show it to others and secondly khufiyatan because this is away from riya this is away from uh, uh, anything which may make your dua less effective 
إنه لا يحب المعتدين. Indeed, he does not like the transgressors, those who transgress in their position in du'a, because this is about du'a, of course. أدعو ربكم, call your Lord. But do not call it in a way that you transgress the limits of this call. It's very important, because usually we transgress the limits of this call. When we want to call Allah, we call him arrogantly. We call him as he owes us something. And this dua is not effective. This dua, if we call him as he owes us something, if we call him arrogantly, if we say, why you don't do this, why you do this, this is a'tada. So when you call your Lord, ud'u rabbakum tazarru'an wa khifatan. Or khufiyatan. Also we have khifatan in, in other verse as well. The same thing. Ud'u rabbakum tazarru'an wa khufiyatan. Beseechingly and secretly. Because if you transgress the limits of Allah, he doesn't like it. And when he doesn't like it, he's not going to respond to you. He responds to you if he likes the way you call him. Innahu la yuhibbul mu'tadeen. He does not like the transgressors. And of course, when we talk about Sheikh Tusi mentions something very interesting here. He says that when we talk about hope, Allah loving something, or Allah hating something, you do not compare it to the love and hate which is in human beings. He says that فَالْمَحَبَّ مِنَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى لِلْعَبْدِ When he says he loves, it means that he intends to reward you. He intends to respond to you. This is the meaning of mahabba for Allah. We have to be very careful in a hadith which is mentioned from Imam Hussein alayhi salam, Sayyidul Shuhada alayhi salam. When he describes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, لا يدركوا بالحواس He cannot be sensed by senses. ولا يقاسوا بالناس He cannot be compared. He shouldn't be compared with people. So whatever feeling, quality, attitude we mentioned about God, we have to, of course, we have to bring it somehow in comparison with what we understand from these feelings and qualities. However, we have to transcend him from being similar to our qualities. And therefore, mahabba here means to bring thawab, because Allah's attitude does not change. He has made a system and things uh, act according to that system. And Allah calls this according to our qualities so that we understand. Do not cause corruption on the earth after its restoration or after Salah has come to it. And this means I have sent you guidance. The guidance has come. It has been established on the earth. This is Salahul Earth or Islahul Earth. Do not disobey, do not corrupt the earth by disobedience of God. Again, call him. He has not left you alone on this earth. Remember all the previous verses? He sent down on this earth. He sent Adam on this earth. He said, when guidance come to you, you follow it. Call upon me. I have not left you alone on this earth. But call him with the limits of, of calling. Observe. Observe the limits of call. With fear and hope. Fear that what you have done, 
you may not deserve a response, so you correct all the, this fear, make you always rectify what you are doing, and hope, of course, because if we lose hope, we don't call Allah anymore. Inna rahmatallahi qareebun min al The rahmat, the mercy of God, is quite close to muhsanin. Of course, uh, grammatically, it should say, inna rahmatallahi qareebatun min al But uh, some of the grammarians say that because qareeb here is mentioned as uh, 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 to, to notify the place, it doesn't take ta'anis and tadhkir. So, inna rahmatallahi qareebun min al This ihsan is what Allah has described above. When you call him, you become humble. So ihsan here means humbleness. If you are humble, if you know your position, and if you know Allah's position, إِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ اللَّهُ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامِ You know his position, you know your position, then you call him with having these in mind, and inshallah, rahmatullah is qareebun min al-muhsaneen. وَسَلَّ ala Muhammadin wa ala Thank you much indeed, Sheikh. Uh, brothers and sisters would like to start with some discussion. Can you take the mic, please? Uh, it's behind you. and Switch on the mic, please. Remember you said that you call your God, call your Lord or Rub in a polite way, yeah? What is the best way to talk to him? Not with arrogance, but... Should you say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim? What is the way to call on him? What is that dialogue? What is that words that you should use to get prayers answered? Is you it see, the salawat? Is it what? I'm getting confused. No, here we are not talking about words. We are talking about attitude. It is the attitude which is very important. You may call him in any language, in any words. But the important thing is your attitude. Are you humble when you call him? Do you realize that you do not deserve anything? Do you realize that who you are calling? When you know this, that tadarru'an wa khufiyatan, when you know this, you call him in that way. And it is whence the grace and blessing come down. Thank you. Sarfran? Alaykum, Shaykh. This system sounds very much like a cash 22 because sometimes you want some things in dunya, but if you achieve the status that you're saying that you know Allah and you know your position, then you're never asking for these things. <laughs> uh, well, uh, of course, if, you, if a person reaches that station, it's very good that, they, they, for example, they, they don't ask for worldly things. They ask for things which are beyond this. But it, it happens in many occasions that we really become uh, we really become without any helper and even for situations in dunya we ask Allah in, uh, with humbleness and with tadarru and with khufya so it's possible and Allah mentions when they board on a ship and the ship is hit by storms in the sea, then they become humble and they call Allah in that. And there is when the response comes. So 
in very small things. There's one hadith I heard when Allah says, ask, I think it was to Musa, ask even for the grass for your sheep and the salt for your food. Yeah. How does this relate? These are very, very small petty things. Yes, of course. I mean, because we are human beings, we are physical beings, we need sustenance. And you see in the dua of our a'imma, alayhimussalam. Say, for example, you see, just look into in dua Abu Hamza. You see, Imam salam is asking about very lofty things. Mahabba of Allah, shawq, and all these things. And then in the next phrase, he asks about sustenance and rez and these things. Because we have both needs. So, we have to be sort of balanced in our uh, in our deen, in our religion. This is very important. It's very important to be balanced. And therefore, for example, you may not for your, you may not want these things for yourself, but you have children. You want it for them. You have others who are dependent on you. You you want it for them. So uh, when when we go to Allah, of course we have to be humble. But humbly we ask for these things as well because these are the needs of those who are dependent on us, needs of ourselves. Like Musa salam, when he, uh, he ran away from Egypt, went to, to, to Madian, and he uh, watered the sheep of those two girls, two daughters of uh, Shu'ayb, فَتَوَلَّا لَهُمَا ثُمَّ تَوَلَّا if you send me some khair, I'm poor. I need it. And Amir al-Mu'in says, I swear by God, he just wanted a loaf of bread. And humbly asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, And of course, Allah responded according to his own honor and dignity. Not only he gave him bread, he gave him wife, house, sheep, and everything. That that was the khair Allah sent to him. Thank you. Uh, doctor in front, yes. Yes, yes, Bismillah. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, with regard to the heavens or skies, um, you've mentioned two uh, meanings or interpretations. There is another one I'm not quite sure. I mean, I'd like to hear reviews about. I mean, some scholars reportedly tend to believe that one of the meanings is the uh, layers of the unseen, tabaqatul ghayb, uh, in sense that, for instance, the seventh heaven was not possible to be reached but by Muhammad wasallam. that even Jibreel salam wasn't able to get through. What's your view on that? Yes, this is what I mentioned, the seven layers where the angels live, because those seven heavens are actually the place of, in, of habitation of angels. And angels have grades and degrees. Some of them live in the first heaven, some in the second heaven, and some in the seventh heaven as well. And uh, beyond these seven heavens, then there is Arsh, and there, is, uh, there are other layers which... Of course, some angels have no place, uh, no permission to go. But apparently the seventh heaven, the angels, the archangels like Jibreel and others can go. In Hadith al-Mi'raj, we have that prophet when he went, he arrived in seventh heaven, Jibreel was with, was with him and he saw a man sitting just beside Sadrat al-Muntaha. Of course, Sadrat al-Muntaha is beyond the seven heavens. 
And uh, he asked Jibreel who this man is, and he said, this is Ibrahim Khalilullah, and when you die, you will come here as well. In Barzakh, you will be placed in this seventh heaven. But the place where the angels cannot go are beyond this, where Prophet went, of course. Yeah. Thank you, any sisters, yeah? Um, I just wanted to ask, you said that there's six layers, yeah? Seven days a week or six days a week, yeah? Now we have this days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. Who may, when was this invented from before Moses and who named it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? You know what I mean? Where did it originate from? Because I've always, I had talks with my Christian friends and they said, you know, did it come from Moses and where can they get right references where these days? Well, Moses didn't speak English, of course. But Monday, Tuesday, Saturday or, or others are, are English uh, terminology they had other names for it certainly but of course this this is something related to language who named it who actually made the days to be seven week to be seven days and month to be 30 days this needs investigation and of course most of the investigations are just as speculative how this was originated but certainly we cannot take the beginning of creation to be related to these days, days of the week, because days of the week were later on uh, named by human beings, and it would have been possible because of the rotation of Earth around the sun uh, 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 and when the creation was complete. So we cannot relate it to that. No, I don't know. You don't know the no. name? Any other brothers, sisters? Sheikh, so uh, from what I understood today, the, the most uh, popular interpretation of the creation is that uh, the heavens and the other uh, parts of the universe were made first and then the earth was created and not the other way around. Otherwise, as you mentioned, that the earth needed the protection of the atmospheres. Yeah. So, so that... Other, other universal parts were created first and then the earth. Well, if we talk about seven heavens to be seven layers of a spiritual world, then, of course, we do not face this problem because we can say the whole universe was created, I mean, was one of these uh, sections which was created, including the earth. So the earth may be used to denote the whole universe, and then, of course, other heavens are above it. If we take the seven heavens to be seven layers of atmosphere, then, of course, we can say Allah is talking only about the earth and its atmosphere. He's not talking about the universe. Okay, now, talking about the Alamul Amr, uh, does it mean that uh, what Allah had intended to create, everything has been now created and it is there in Alamul Amr. In Alamul Amr, yes. Everything is there. And then, then it comes gradually in existence. You are talking about there, that means a place. <laughs> there is no place. There, no, no, I mean, there is nothing like that. I use that. the word there because there is no other word. Yes, of course. Everything has been mentioned. I mean, the word kun has been mentioned for everything. Okay. So Allah has said be, and everything is there. In Alamul Amr, yeah. 
But in Alamul Khalq, for them to come into being, it needs graduation process, time. So we, we will go along. And this actually solves the whole problem of whether Allah knows the future, knows things which happen later on, who goes to hell, who goes to paradise. These are related to Alamul Khalq. In Alamul Amr, of course, it's all something which yeah. has been done at once. Thank you. Any other brothers, sisters? No? Surprise? Yeah, I can switch on. Yes, yes you can. Assalamualaikum. Um, so where does the concept of Qadr fit in that? The concept of? Qadr. That, like the, desti- the night of destiny, the power. Qadr. Qadr. Laylatul Qadr. Well, that yeah. comes to Alamul Khalq, of course. Because Qadr is measurement, isn't it? Anything which has measurement, graduation, and these things, it is related to Alamul Khalq, not Alamul Amr. But of course, Alamul Amr is related to everything when we, this, we talk about the relationship of all these things to God. But when it comes to Khalq, it finds graduation. And that's why we say in Laylatul Qadr, the things which are going to happen for the year is decided. This is certainly to do with Alamul Khalq. Thank you. Any other? Last one? No? Okay. Thank you, Muhammad Wa'alim.